What's good, everybody? Happy Wednesday. Wednesday, you know what time it is. Time for NBA with Nuance. We got a lot of good stuff to get into. Last week, we talked all about the trade deadline. That was kind of exhausting. James Harden, Kevin Durant. We're still going to talk about that a little bit today. We're going to dive a bit deeper into some issues around team building uh, in particular. We've talked a lot about this, myself and Gerard, on the show. But we're going to go a little bit deeper into that team building and player empowerment, right? A lot of talk about player empowerment in this era of basketball. Is it working? Has it gone too far? These are all questions I think we need to ask. Now, when we talk about stuff like this, come on, y'all know what time it is. We're not here for the hot takes. We're not doing hot takes. I mean, unless my man Gerard Hector, who will be joining us, has changed at this moment <laughs> and has decided to do some hot takes. I hope not. Gerard, you know, what's up, well, what's up, man? On, a, on Wednesday, <laughs> February 16th, yeah, nah, ain't nobody giving no hot takes. Listen, we here for nuanced people <laughs> discussion, a little more perspective on things. No, no, listen, y'all know where to find all that hot take BS. You know what channels and what people like to spout that. I will say, and we may not get into this today. Yes, the general sports watching public is not the forum to be discussing mental health, in particular Ben Simmons' mental health, but. That may be a different conversation for a different day, but yeah. Just that out there. Well, no, I'm. It's funny. I'm actually. You know what? I'm actually glad you brought that up, and it wasn't on our scheduled topics to talk about. But I have been very uncomfortable talking about Ben Simmons' health, about what I either I know or I don't know. We've seen a lot of people do that, Gerard, and I think it's been particularly un- uncomfortable. There was, I forget. I guess he's a reporter. Some reporter tweeted out the other day. Uh, video of Ben Simmons when he was at Nets practice. He dapped up Kevin Durant mm-hmm. and is like, oh, well, he said he had mental health issues. Mm-hmm. He looks mm-hmm. fine here for mm-hmm. me. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yo, there's plenty of people smiling with a lot of stuff going on with them personally with their mental health. Mm-hmm. That video is not an indicator that Ben Simmons is okay. It's mm-hmm. also not an indicator that he's not okay. I don't know any of this. So I've just seen a lot of wild assumptions. And I don't know how you feel about that in the space of the NBA, which I'm more than glad to talk about it here. But I do think with Ben Simmons. And to be clear, the reason we're saying this is he spoke to the media for the first time yesterday as a member of the Brooklyn Nets. Um, And I know you watched and were in that press conference. I was not. But I think that we've done too much with him and we need to be very careful and respect his privacy and his mental health. Uh, Dex, I could have said it better myself. Look, None of us know what is going on with Ben Simmons in terms of his mental health and where he's at. Those conversations are between him and the professional person that he is working with. And I want to be clear, we as media and public are not entitled to know the details of those sessions. We're not. If he chooses to share any bits and pieces, that's on him to share with us. He doesn't, but like if if he wants to, but we are not owed that. We're not entitled to that. And by the way, the Philadelphia 76ers are also not entitled to know or the Brooklyn Nets that in, 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 in that way, the details of what is going on within those sessions, okay? That, in fact, he is going to therapy and, and receiving some kind of help, that is the limit to which they know. Now, if it turns into a situation where he has to be on medication or whatever, or different things like that, that's a whole different can of worms, but we don't know where we're at, and we're not going down that, that, that path. And, Dexter, for me, the part that yes. I find disingenuous and, and really just – People who like to go on Twitter and or social media and point to videos and show him dapping up teammates and laughing on the bench and say, oh, I thought he had mental health. Da, da, da. Like, mm-hmm. again, please point me out, people, to your extensive training and degrees in psychiatry and expertise that you are able to diagnose someone's mental health state via television or social media that tells you they are, quote unquote, OK. and what people are doing is using correlation as causality. And those two are not the same thing. Okay. Nope. Just nope. because he said he's having mental health issues and then he gets traded and then is smiling. Th- that doesn't mean that his whatever issues he has or doesn't have are now totally fine. Everything's cool. He has, he has no issues. Like that's not how this works. And to just use that line of thinking shows general sports fans, right? Lack of intelligence, right? And it ties into a problem with sports in general, which is mania, right? And this Mm -hmm. manic, unhinged uh, support of teams and sports that take away the humanity of the actual participants within the sport. Now, 
Was the timing of the announcement of mental health, was that a little murky? Did it seem, all of those things seem strange and weird and they don't seem to be a straight through line to them. But again, just because they're correlated doesn't mean that one is the cause of the other and that was just a use to get himself out of, that's, you can't make that leap of logic. That's not how life works. Yeah, no, no, you're right. I think I think one thing that you hit there too is the fact of, and this will tie into where we were going to start with this, but I think it's the fact of us not, I don't say us, I don't mean me, you and I, but I think it is sports fans in general, not looking at these players as human beings. It's That's sort of been lost a lot in this. And we also don't look at sports and these athletes in there as they're going to work. You might think that because they make so much more money than you or the average person, which is fine, it is still work. We always say it when it's on the management side. Oh, sports is a business. We say this. We also hear, but when it comes to the players, people don't want to say that too. Well, you know what? There are people who go to work every day that have mental health issues, right? And people who sometimes don't feel like being in a certain situation or culture at work and have been through that. I'm somebody who can attest to that. I can say I've dealt with that in my career. So not necessarily having mental health issues, but not feeling like I'm in a positive work environment, right? And so that is fine. It does not make Ben Simmons wrong for this. He's a human being in a work situation, dealing with something, trying to figure it out. I don't know what to what extent, like Gerard said. I have no idea. And I think it's absolutely disingenuous for anybody in the media to speculate and act like they know we don't know. Did Ben Simmons, Gerard, give us any more clarity as to what his situation was yesterday at his press conference? No. But here's yep. the thing. As you said, he doesn't owe us that. He doesn't owe us that he at all. He that doesn't. is between him and his mental health professional, if he is still seeing one or seeing one, whatever. That's between him, okay? This is fine. I think what we can do from this, and especially I think it's important for us as two black men talking about this, and we're talking about another black man, is, all right, if there are if there's something going on with mental health, we need to normalize the therapy. We need to normalize the fact that he should be getting help for this and hope that that brother, Ben Simmons, is getting the best help that he possibly can so that he can move forward and be happy and productive, not just in his career, but in his life. Yeah. And I think that's what we need. That's what we need to be talking about. It, you know, Dex, it's just, again, to your point, the disingenuous disingenuousness and just the, the, just the lack of intelligence around this mental health is not some straight line with fixed points along the way. That's not right. what this is. It is a spectrum with infinite points literally all over the place. There are things that mental health professionals are highly versed in that have been studied for a long time, that they're well, well, that they understand root causes and different things. And there are areas that they're just scratching the surface of and everything in between. So again, you, you know, Twitter idiot who's watching some video is out here. Oh, look at him smiling. I guess he's fine. Now. Like, again, that just, that, that is a, appalling lack of intelligence. I really guess I shouldn't be that surprised, right? Given the state of state of matters in this country, right? That 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 that, that shouldn't be too surprising. No, it it it, it shouldn't. And uh, what we've seen from sports fans in general and just not caring about the people. I mean, with this stuff, you just guys keep telling on yourself. You just want people to shut up and play, shut up and dribble. You don't care about any of the other stuff. And it's like, look, I hope Ben Simmons wasn't being false about any mental mm-hmm. health issues mm-hmm. because that would be disrespectful. I want to be clear about mm-hmm. that to Correct. people who have mental health issues, but I don't have anything that I can point at and say that he is doing that because he smiled in a video. Like this is where we are, Gerard. We are judging <laughs> things. We are judging things from people's reactions on practice videos, sitting on the bench. Like, like this is what people are doing. And it's like, no, and I'm, I'm really actually happy you brought up this topic because if we are going to talk about player empowerment, which we are going to today, and we are then like, yo, let's all the way care about the players. Mm-hmm, let's mm-hmm. not halfway care about mm-hmm, them mm-hmm. when we think it's convenient for them or we're trying to mm-hmm. decipher things. Like, no, let's let's talk. if we know something to be fact, let's call that what it is. If we don't know, yo, y'all could just shut up. <laughs> Thank you. It's, <laughs> it's okay not to comment on it, folks. It's really yeah, okay it's to fine. say nothing. The other piece that I think is is a difficult part for fans to understand or wrap their head around, again. And fans do this all the time. They make poor, poor comparisons and analogies that are not apples to apples. Well, if I was struggling with mental health, I couldn't just, I, yeah, well, my man, mm-hmm. you work in whatever industry you work in making far less money than Ben Simmons. Now, whether or not you want to argue, should 
sports players make the money they make, that's a different discussion. But the fact of the matter is, that is the industry they are in. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. The most important people, the players, get paid the most money. Like, look, I'm sorry that you can't afford to sit out when, you, when you're having issues like he can because he's already amassed multi-millions of dollars. You, now you can say, that's not fair. That's what, yeah, that's capitalism, friends. That's the, now you want to argue and rail against that system? That's a whole different argument we can have, and I will be happy to join on that side. But that ain't how this works, okay? He has the privilege to do that based on his standing and stature in terms of the money he makes, et cetera. So he can do that, right? Yes, you, regular person, probably cannot. And there is some unfairness in that, but that is how capitalism works. And I know most of you are going to say, well, we should, no, but you don't want to get rid of capitalism, actually. You like it the way it is. So you can't have it both ways, right? You want to be in a system that prioritizes free markets and, okay, well, this is the other side of that, right? The people at the top have more opportunity and privilege and ways in which they can deal with this than regular folks. And that's just how it goes. I agree. Uh, I think I think that is absolutely well said. Now, keeping in line with uh, Ben Simmons, who was traded to Brooklyn last week, uh, th- he was obviously swapped for James Harden and other p- and other pieces going to Brooklyn, which was Seth Curry, uh, Andre Drummond, and a couple of picks as well too. Now, there was uh, an article that came out yesterday. Jake Fisher from Bleacher Report had a report about Kevin Durant's involvement and role in uh, the Brooklyn Nets trade of James Harden. Now, look, we've talked about this a lot, Gerard. Look, we know that any of these deals where you have a superstar and a mega superstar like Kevin Durant on your team, we know (laughs) that there was no way that KD was not consulted on this before this went down. We're not shocked uh, about this at all. When you read Fisher's piece, was there anything you thought that was like stood out to you? Because I felt like a lot of this was like, oh, yeah, what I expected. Yeah. And, you know, shouts to Fisher and and his reporting and sources, but nothing in there was that surprising to me. Um, The Brooklyn Nets are a team that I am close to. So I do have sourcing around that uh, around that team as well. Um, And, you know, I was hearing similar things. And yes, you do not move a player like James Harden without Kevin Durant giving the okay, Right. He is the most important player in that franchise. And so he has to give his okay for any major decision, like a trade, like bringing back a part-time player like Kyrie Irving, anything of that nature, he has to give his sign off on it. Now, the degrees to which he can make a decision, I don't have the intel on that, but again, he has some role in that. So there's nothing particularly surprising on that. We Look, we know that the Kyrie situation was problematic for James Harden in that Kyrie's a part-time player. And he felt like, hey, man, I- I'm not really here for this. And and the the relationship between those two um, was not where it could be. And again, when you have players like Durant and, and Harden, who are known guys around the league who are not particularly confrontational in your face kind of guy, right? You look at someone like Jimmy Butler, right? Jimmy Butler, and we know about his situation when he was in Minnesota, right? He's like, oh, okay, I got to get out of here. But instead of doing anything through back channels and subtweeting or having a cold war, I'm just going to go to practice and make this super uncomfortable. And all right, because Jimmy is fine living in that uncomfortableness, like face-to-face with people. He thrives off that, right? And we know people like that who were okay with being direct and confrontational and making situations uncomfortable. We know from past situations, that is not how Kevin Durant and James Harden operate. They aren't those kind of guys, right? It's more of a back channel, not talking, sulky kind of thing. All right, well, this is the result of that, right? So instead, you have it done this way, where we heard reports where they weren't speaking for a while, and it was like, you know, uh, Harden wanted to play one style, and Durant wanted to do another, and, you know, all the various things. And it's like, look, and we'll get into this when we talk about it. Guys, this is not NBA 2K, okay? And... And and players, and you know, Dexter, I I love players. I give them all the utmost respect. Like, they're in basketball. I mean, Kevin Durant and James Harden, these are basketball savants. They are geniuses on the floor and understand the game in a way that you and I and everybody else who watches them could never hope to understand at any point. But playing the game is only one faction. There's only one fraction of it. Right. Actually constructing a roster and putting the best people together to ensure that you have the best opportunity to compete at the highest level, that's a completely different thing. And it takes other skill sets into account, right? It is, And that's why 
it's very hard to be a coach and GM simultaneously, right? Because those two skill sets don't necessarily line up, right? It's it's hard. And it's just like when you think about players like Kyrie Irving or Aaron Rodgers or whoever that are anti-vax people, right? Who come out with a stance on vaccines because they do six hours of YouTube research. They propose to know more than someone who spent epidemiologists and scientists who've literally dedicated their entire lives to this study. No, 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 but I watched this YouTube video. So that means I know more than you. That would be like me and us media people questioning them on a basketball or football move, right? They'd say, well, what do you know about it? It's the same idea. My point being is that you need to understand the intricacies involved in each type of job within a relationship. Just because you play ball doesn't mean you know how to construct a team that's best equipped to win at basketball, right? And we've right. seen it. Players don't like, – current players make terrible GMs. See LeBron James. See Kevin Durant. Yeah, we've seen that. Not And not that we're saying that Kevin Durant made a horrible decision here no. uh, per se. And I see my man Javier Gutierrez. Uh, thanks for checking in on Facebook. He asked who do we consider – Winner of the trade, the Nets or the Sixers in this, and I will say that look, I I do not think I think this was a win for both teams. Mm-hmm. I know some people are going to say, "Oh, Dex, that's the corny answer." Like, but it's true. It's both teams, but I think both teams got what they wanted. We know the position that the Sixers we in. We know the position the Nets are in, particularly after seeing some of these details that have come out that I think we all knew to some degree from Jake Fisher around this with Harden not being too thrilled about things going on with Kyrie Irving that was never going to work out, right? Especially if Kyrie, unless Kyrie was going to go and get the jab. So getting Harden out of the team with that friction is a win. Getting Simmons off of a team he didn't want to play for in Philly is a win for Philly. So yeah, Javier, I hope that keeps you happy, but I think it, both it, teams it, it, won. Yeah, it, it's a win-win in the short term for both. And I think in the long term, it's a little better for Brooklyn. And the reason why I say that is because they have a 25-year-old uh, all-defensive all NBA, multiple time All Star, who at the end of his contract will be twenty eight, right? That and they got draft picks back, and they got Seth Curry and <clears throat> and Andre Drummond. The right. Nets have some more flexibility back as a franchise to figure out what to do at the end of this KD era. The Sixers, on the other hand, are going to have to pay James Harden a supermax extension at some point, more than likely, and that means when he's in his late thirties, he's making fifty or sixty million dollars, and that's going to be hamstringing that entire organization see the russell westbrook contract etc cetera, etc cetera. i see what you did there with hamstring that was great. that was pretty nice I see, I see i see what you did there i see what you did there i see you Gerard. Gerard, uh, pushing that in there a little bit yeah javier my guy thank you for the uh for the question on that I thought it was a good one um so when we talk about this gerard when we, you you just mentioned this when we were talking about the topic of katie's involvement and we know he was involved in this Player empowerment has allowed players, superstars with a lot of power to be able to, so I don't want to use the word manipulate, but to be able to have a strong voice in these front offices, right? But have we gone too far with it? Because we see what's happened in LA. LeBron James was the one that wanted Russell Westbrook there. That has been a disaster, right? LeBron's track record of being a GM really ain't that good. Great player, one of the greats of all time. Nobody's saying that. Has this gone too far? Or where, where, or I, I wanted to throw this out because I thought about thinking about this. It's like, okay, well, the Lakers didn't make any moves at this deadline. They didn't necessarily acquiesce to LeBron here. There's been some reports uh, that they said, no, that we're not going to do some of this. We're not going to mortgage our future. This is the team you've had. Now you got to rock with it. Uh, are we drawing a line, or is there another superstar that's going to come along? that is going to want certain things and the ownership's going to be like, yeah, we got to give that person what they want. <laughs> the, the first thing is if you're Lakers mortgage, what you already mortgage your future. What, what future you ain't got nothing to mortgage. That so 2027 <laughs> first round pick and Taylor Horton Tucker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My point. Um, Dex, you know, I am the most pro player person that I want the players to have all the power. I say this all the time. Fans tune in to games. They go to arenas. They buy merchandise for the players. They don't come to see GMs or owners or anybody else. It is the players. They matter, no doubt. However, this is a two-way street, folks. Every time the players start to wrestle control and things look a certain way, what 
inevitably ends up happening, Dexter, is the owners are sitting back and watching all this. And they say, oh, no, 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 no. We got to cut this shit out. And things start shifting back in the other direction. I say that because the current collective bargaining agreement expires at the end of the 2023-2024 season. If you don't think the owners are watching what Ben Simmons did, what James Harden has done twice now, right? And all and every time a superstar is up for an extension and the thought of leaving, if you don't think they're not paying attention to that, you are fooling yourselves. They are. And they're going to try to figure out how do we rope that, bring that back in because we can't have this. And Dexter, for the future and health of the game, something needs to change here. Look, I, I'm always someone on record who is like, man, we, 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 we cater and, and placate the fans way too much. But fans matter in this sense, in that for the future of this league, the reason why the, the NBA struggles so much with ratings and different things is, and part of it is the excess player movement and all of the, like, if you root for a team in a market, it's hard to know from how many years is guy going to be my team? What's going on? Is he going to leave? Is he going to force his way out? There's so much happening here. And if the NBA wants to really curtail and curb all of that, they need to think radically about how to change things in the league. One of the things I'm looking at, Dexter, I talked about before, abolish the draft, right? You get rid of the draft and allow players to decide where they want to go coming out of college. That will solve many issues. Keep the salary cap and make it a hard cap. No more off. You go over, you get to pay luxury. No, no, no. Hard cap, hard floor, right? So which forces teams to be smart in, hey, we have $125 million. That's the total. We can't spend any more than that. The hard floor is 90% of whatever. Fine. Hard floor, hard cap. We have to be intelligent about how we spend this money. Everyone has the same. No one gets to do more. That's number one. Number two. Well, that was number two because we abolished the draft. And the idea that everybody says, oh, Gerard, people are going to all go to the Lakers. and No, they won't. Playing time? is the lifeblood for a player. Yep. They ain't going to want to go to some spot where they're the 16th man on the roster and they ain't getting no burn. Because, folks, there's only 48 minutes in a game, okay? And stars are going to get there 35 minutes or whatever. Well, that only leaves 13 minutes left, right? So 10 stars can't go to one team because the, the math doesn't work, all right? And truth be told, despite what everyone thinks about guys who want to team up, guys who want to team up, and Adam Silver said this at the Sloan Conference uh, three years ago. The league... Far less guys want to team up than want to just compete and go after each other. And there's a lot of envy and jealousy among this league. Think about it, right? This is a hyper-competitive league. Guys don't want to share spotlight. Okay, so everybody ain't going to want to all join up together. That's that, that's So, you know, don't, don't fall into that narrative belief that, oh, everyone's going to want to play on the same team, whatever. The other thing I'd look at, too, is figuring out contract length. And I think about making every contract length, Dexter, uh, a two-plus one. Right, and they're mandatory two plus ones. So it's let's say two two years mandatory. In those two years, you cannot be traded. That's it. You have to play the two years. And in that third year, it's a dual opt in. And by dual opt in, I mean the team and the player have to agree that you're opting in on that. Not not one side. Both have to agree. And in that third year, teams and and owners not only did both have to agree to opt in, they both have to agree to trade. If you're going to trade me in that year. I have to agree to the trade, right? There's all different kinds of ways you can kind of manipulate and change the rules and make it so that you allow teams to have some control over how they build their roster and Mm -hmm. players of agency is, don't worry, we ain't gonna lock you in here for seven years. If we're not doing our job to make it a place where you want to play, you got an out, right? Like, again, smart people can figure out the math and how it works. You can figure it out, but start thinking in in those terms. I think it's funny. I, I'm glad you, you know, one of the things I like is you can always have these discussions and say, oh, this has gone too far. This has happened. But a lot of times people don't come up with solutions, right? Which is one of my big pet peeves. And here you came up with some solutions that I think are fine. I, the second, the, the, you made three points. The first one being abolish the draft, but in the latter one you made in terms of the length of the contracts, which I think is really interesting. And the two plus one with teams having to agree to both sides, having to agree to opt in. I've seen so much, and we talked about abolishing the draft last year when we first started the show. I've seen so many people be like, oh, you can't do that. You can't abolish the draft. You can't do this. I wonder how people would feel about the two plus ones. I'm for that, along with the hard cap and hard floor. Uh, I'm for for all this. I think all sports should adopt this. I think it would make sports better. I think you would still have fun player movement. Yes. There still would be free agency. 
But what you would have is a lot more onus and pressure being on teams yes. and 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 players. So you know, uh, excuse me, teams to build, not the players, teams to build the right way, mm-hmm. which we kind of let it off the hook, management off the hook a lot. I, I personally, I feel like we let management off the hook all the in time. sports a lot of times. And it's like, okay, well, when something doesn't work out, Gerard, it's just like, okay, well, the, the team can reset and rebuild. And at what cost is that to fans? Or you can have teams who are in bigger markets where there really isn't an incentive to win because you know people will show up and fill the seats all the time mm-hmm. and there's really no pressure on them. Mm-hmm. This changes that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so if we want to talk about player empowerment going too far. I think we also got to talk about have we been giving the owners a slap on the wrist too far? And I think what you're trying to do is bring it back mm-hmm. to the middle mm-hmm. a little bit, which I think is a good idea. I just wonder how fans are. You said the word radical. I don't know. Fans, I want the radical. Fans are like, no. Yeah. Forget changing these all-star game stuff and this yeah. fluff yeah. stuff and the in-season tournament and yeah. all this stuff. Let's go for the really making the game yeah. better. I'm with you on this. A- Adam Silver is nibbling around the edges, right? With right. The, with the, all right, we'll change the all-star format. Well, no, because Adam, you know, that isn't the problem, okay? The problem is fundamentally what's the NBA incentive structure and everything is just broken right now, right? Look, again, I told you, I am for player empowerment and all that. But what James Harden's done in the last 13 months and taking away the mental health component of it, what Ben Simmons did in Philly, those things can't be allowed to happen. You can't sign guys to four and five year deals and in year one, I'm out. Get me out of here. Like, no, like that's 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 not it, right? Like that, we can't have that because that ultimately is hurting the product, the game. What Adam and the owners care about is fans and money. And yeah, you mentioned Dexter. Traditional fans don't want to hear about abolishing the draft and all that. But listen, we gotta you have to evolve. Just like how human beings evolve. You know, there was a time where we used to crawl around on all fours, live in caves and shit. We don't do that anymore. Okay. So just like we evolve, so too should the things that we enjoy and consume. They should also evolve. And if we want to again long term have a good protect this league, I think that's that's just critical. And there there are so many ways to look at how we can do that. And don't forget about, well, this is how we've always done it. Well, it's great. Like, but times have changed, right? One other reason, a thing that I've said, and I know you, you agree with this too, that will help cut the regular season. Yep. 82 games is too many games. Yep. You bring it down to 59, right? Uh, or what, what, 58, excuse me. Every, you play each team twice, home and away, home and away. Think about the excitement. You only play this team two times, right? Like it's, Fans are gonna be like, oh my god, we only we we gotta we gotta get in this. We only beat them once. Don't give them any crap about what about divisions. When was the last time anybody cared about a division winner? Who gives been, a shit about a division winner? I don't even know if people are still raising banners for that. Well, some of them crap franchises probably still raise division <laughs> banners because because you know they ain't got nothing else good going on for them, so they gotta which, do that. I, which I understand to some degree, which I understand, but like, yeah, I I can give, care less about a division. Like nobody cares about that, right? So think about that. And again, you can use those 58 games over the just about the same length of time we do now. Maybe you go from November, mid-November to the end of the season, April. Teams are gonna play what twice a week at most. You know what you're gonna see less of, Dex? Less guys resting because I don't got three games in four nights. Maybe right? less injuries too. Less injuries, mm-hmm. but Gerard, the money, the money. Listen, this product is still so good. You can find ways to make up that money. Keep Adam Silver's in-season tournament, do some kind of Champions League type of thing. Cool, no problem. All right, right. we'll do that, right? Get a big-time sponsor for that. You don't think some companies don't want to sponsor that? Hell yeah, they will. Trust me. Or you you do a rights deal where you say, okay, the in-season tournament, like a Champions League, that's only available on, I don't know, YouTube TV. You don't right. think YouTube TV is going to pay for that? Right. Yeah, they will, right? Like, it, whatever. Again, the, some of the smartest people in the world work in these organizations. Figure it out. Like, right. I, I, you're right. Figure it out. And I, you want to talk about player empowerment and, and bringing things back. You got, It's probably going to take some changes to the way the current system is. So I guess, you know, you kind of hit on this next question, Gerard, is, you know, we, while we both here support player empowerment, we clearly have, right? We clearly have. Do you think that too much of it uh, can affect the popularity of the league? Like, are people going to be turned off enough by what we saw from either A, James Harden, Ben Simmons, uh, LeBron's GM decisions, which haven't been good. Some people might look at that and say, 
man, this these teams can't even really compete. These guys don't make good decisions when they're playing GM, uh, when they're trying to force their way out of certain places. Do you think people are looking at that and say, nah, you know what? I don't want to watch the NBA anymore. I, I think it has an impact for sure, Dexter. I talked about it uh, at the top with how hard it is for a fan of a team to follow their team because, you know, player because of player movement and guys leaving. Think about this. Who what team is the best story in the NBA this season or among the best stories? Uh, well, well, why, why don't you just, why don't you, go, I'm going to put myself back on camera. Why don't we just smile? Because Gerard just wants to say the answer, which is his Grizzly Cubs. You can argue the Cavs, but I'm going to say well, the Grizzly Cubs. But case in point, Cavs yeah. work too. Yeah. Why are the Grizzlies so popular? Homegrown, right? Drafted Triple J. Drafted John Morant, right? Drafted Desmond Bain, all, right? It's all young and it's fun. And it's the team on the come up. That's what we all love. Just like that Oklahoma City team back in the day, drafted in three consecutive years, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden, right? Why are the Warriors so popular? Steph, Dre, Claymont. Drafted, homegrown. People, fans love that shit. Now, we can argue about, what, and same with the Cavaliers with Darius Garland, et cetera, and Evan Mobley, all that. Mm -hmm. We can argue about whether fans should just, man, who cares about that stuff, whatever. But the reality is that stuff matters to fans, right? They feel a sense of kinship and connection when a guy gets drafted, he gets developed, and the team grows, and now we're on the ascend, right? That is what causes popularity and and the, and the casual to be like, oh, this is great. What a great story. Because ultimately, for the casual fan, stories still matter. And that's a great story, right? Also, when you look at the NBA, they are fighting – for mindshare in a world that has become increasingly competitive because there's a million options. Take away other sports. There's a million other entertainment watches. watches. Right. You and I were talking about off air, an awesome Netflix show that we love right now, right? That I'm like, man, if it's between watching another episode of that and a random NBA game tonight, I might pop that on instead, right? Like mm -hmm. there's so many other things to choose from. And so in order to keep fans interested, you, you, oh yeah, that guy's still on this team. I don't even know, right? How do you, how do you manage that? And the elephant in the room that always needs to be discussed. Whenever young black men in particular decide what they are going to be doing, right? Mm -hmm. And in, in essence, telling old white men, owners and GMs, yeah, I'm, I'm not good with that. I'm doing this instead. There's always going to be a segment of fandom that doesn't like that, right? It doesn't sit well with them. Again, we, all you got to do is go back and look at the history of this country and listen, I ain't bringing it in just because I feel like bringing it in. It's there. The subtext of that is right. always underlying. All right. And it's funny because, you know, uh, Greg, a friend of the show, uh, Greg Alcala says he doubts that people would, you know, just stop watching the NBA. But I do think there's a difference between what you said in terms of the, we always talk about this, the diehard fan and the, the casual fan. Uh, to Greg's point, Greg, I think you're right about the diehard fan. Yeah, we ain't going uh, nowhere. You know, they ain't going nowhere, but the casual fan could be turned off by this stuff. The diehard fan might like some of this drama. There's, there's some of y'all out there that love this drama mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. goes on around the NBA with you, this person going here or there. I'm not even talking about people forcing their way out, not even going to that. But if that's there, that may turn some people off. And some of those uh, casual fans, they might be the kind of person that actually thinks in terms of what Gerard just talked about, the elephant in the room, which is not an elephant in the room anymore, which is they side with the owners, their mm -hmm. team owners, because mm -hmm. they don't look like myself and Gerard, and they see mm -hmm. more of themselves as being closer to the owners when they're not. They <laughs> do that, and so they're like, how dare these young black men tell these older white owners what to do? And so there's a little bit of anger to towards that. They can be angry, though. Um, <laughs> and there's a level of rooting for laundry also too, right? That's that idea right. of I, I root for the laundry, right? It's like, you know, you grow up in Indiana, you're a patient man through and through, no matter what, whatever. Okay, cool. Right. And it's, so you would like to see your team and your organization, if they land in the draft, well, we're going to abolish draft, but let's say someone chooses to come and it's a generational type talent. You hope that that person can be there long-term. Now, two things have to be true. The player has to want to do it, and the team has to be doing everything that's in their power to make sure it's an environment conducive to success, right? And one last thing I'll say, Dexter, and this is something that our, uh, you know, uh, Bomani Jones brings up all the time, and it's a challenge the NBA has to work through. They have a lot of undesirable cities for young, rich black men, and that's a problem. 
and it's a geography problem. And I look, and this is not shade to anybody who lives in these cities. I know you love your hometowns and whatever, but just because you love it don't mean everybody else loves it, right? And so there are people who don't want to live in Indianapolis, all right? There are people who don't want to live in Oklahoma City. There are people who don't want to live in Salt Lake and Minnesota and all these other, right? Like, or whatever, right? It's just, and you know, sorry, shade, no, no, no shade again to people who live in those, in those cities, but that's just the reality of it. There are, there are spaces and real estate in this NBA that are not conducive. Everybody doesn't want to go to New York. Those aren't the only places. All right. But Orlando, like, like, you know, like it's just, there are places where people necessarily are not excited about going to. And that's, I don't know how you fix that or overcome that problem because it's just is what it is. Yeah, it, 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 it is a challenge. Uh, Greg chiming in here again said, I think players sitting and making the money they make turns fans off like a Simmons. Anyone else that just calls out of work for that long will get and fired. And we address that. And, and Gerard addressed that at the top, right? Like this, like there's, look, Greg, there's, there's going to be uh, players who can do it. That's the privilege. That is the capitalistic society we work in as Gerard, living, excuse me, as Gerard says. Do I like all of that? No. Do I think it's best for everybody in humanity? No. no. But this is this is what we're in. So there's a privilege that Ben Simmons and some of these other dudes have to deal with whether it's mental health issues, if it is that, or anything else that you and I might not be able to do that. I don't show up that long, depending on what I'm dealing with and what think culture about or place I work with. That's think, not going to happen. Yeah. Think about it like this, Dexter. Let's say you work in a company and you're on a sales team. Sales team has got, I don't know, 250 people on it. That's mm-hmm. Salesforce uh, world c- countrywide, 250 salespeople. You, everyone on that sales team knows the number one saleswoman or salesman has privileges that the number 250th yep. does not have, right? Yep. That's just how it goes. Is it fair? Look, that's what it is. You know that, right? They don't have to go to weekly meetings, right? Because they produce and do things for a company that allows them the privileges of skipping certain things that the regular person doesn't. No, man, what can I say? Like, <laughs> that's the game. That's, that, I, that's the game. That's the game. I said this uh, yesterday on the Ain't Hard Stuff podcast, the same thing. I was saying, like, look, we have to stop this notion that everybody gets treated the same way at every job, right? right. Like, we they like should. To, listen, they should. And I, of course, we're not, we are not, just to be clear to people, and if you're listening or watching, we are not saying that things should not be equal, there shouldn't be equality. All this other stuff. But look, in a capitalist society, if you help, I think sales was a great example, Gerard. If you help a certain company earn more money, you're going to be treated the same way. It's the same reason Kyrie is getting a slap on the wrist and is getting treated differently. And even once Kevin Durant vouched for him to come back and play, they're going to listen to Kevin Durant because he's Kevin Durant. Right? This is not DeAndre Bembry making this call. No shade, no shade to DeAndre Bembry. I'm just saying, like, who you are and what you do and what you produce matters, <laughs> as Gerard said, on any job. Any job. It doesn't matter what you do. So it's like everybody's not going to get treated the same at every, at every job. There, There's titles about what you do. There's levels to everything, people. Levels. There's levels. levels to this. There's levels to everything. And so... Yes, I do think this can turn off some fans, like as as Greg is saying. I do that maybe think or look a particular way. I do think that's more of the casual fan, as Gerard said, than more of the diehard fan. That does not mean that doesn't mean that you know you. This is not a problem for the NBA. This is not something you need to think about. It doesn't totally take that you know off off the table. And here, and see, here's the thing. <laughs> I and see I, what Greg said. And Greg, I appreciate, I appreciate Greg chiming in everybody who's commenting because we always love this interaction with our fans. Because if you pay me ten million a year, I'm not missing anything. These kids are entitled and paying for soft. Jordan ain't missing games like this. And Greg, <laughs> Greg, I know you're younger than me. You, you you weren't really watching Jordan play, and I'm not. I'm not trying to be an ageist here. But it's easy to say you wouldn't do something unless you're in that position. Right. Like we have to understand that sometimes it's easy to say if you had 10 million a year, I get it. Except, you know what? Ben Simmons or whoever it might be might have had a taste of 10 million for a while. You don't know how your things change. I can might say right now, not making 10 million a year, what I might do. And then I get 10 and I'm like, I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> like that, like yeah. these things happen. You change. Like you might, you listen, let's just be real. We like to have this idea that I'll be the same person who have $10 million a year. I won't. 
I'll let y'all know right now. I'll let you know right now. Like, I'm not, I can't be the same person. Correct. It's not, right? Like, I'm not saying I'm going to be an asshole or fundamentally change the core values of who I am. I'd hope not. But you're never going to be the same person when you make that much more money, when you have that much more responsibility. You just can't, man. Like, I just, I, I just don't think you can. But, Greg, we appreciate it. Okay, so in terms of, in terms of this, because this is a great discussion today. In terms of team building, which is something you and I have talked a lot about and have acknowledged that it's not easy. We like to act like it's easy, right? But when we look at the Brooklyn Nets, and you were somebody who talked about the Nets a lot and how they were constructed with Harden, Kyrie, and Durant, okay? And how everything, all the pieces around them had to fit perfectly. It had to matter, right, Gerard? This didn't work, Mm -hmm. okay? So the question I ask here is, do we need big threes anymore? And the reason I bring this up is if you look at, was it two of our last three recent champions, mm-hmm. uh, the Raptors, right? Mm-hmm. You look at the Bucks, mm-hmm. right? When I talk big three, I'm talking about two, super duper three stars. big superstars, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's what we're talking about. Do you think we need that in the game anymore? Is the game changing, evolving past that in terms of roster building? Yeah, look, I think in order for you to win a title, you need one of those difference makers or else you're not even in the conversation, right? Kawhi was one of those difference makers when healthy. We know Giannis is one of those difference makers. Um, And, you know, in his own way, Chris Paul is that kind of difference maker for Phoenix Suns, right? But but, but they have that with, you know, with with Devin Booker, right? So you you have different ways. And of course we know Steph Curry is, Kevin Durant, all that. Okay. But what matters is the roster being complete in that for our system and our style of play, do we have everything we need for that? You know, the thing about the Brooklyn Mm. Nets that I said in the past, Dexter, was having Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving, the role players, and you just were good shooters, and what you, and, you know, Bruce Brown as a short roller, all of those things were great because of the greatness of those three, right? Those, that roster was designed to, man, when those three are operating at peak all-NBA level, these ancillary parts look amazing. You do anything to that big three operating in all-NBA level, those ancillary parts ain't looking so amazing anymore, right? Because those three cover up so many warts. Now, if you choose an approach where it's more of a, a full-on team and it's a more, more egalitarian type of deal, it's probably better. Now, the nature of basketball is still one where that one player has tremendous impact still, right? right. I either look at the Golden State Warriors. Haven't had Draymond for seems like over a month and a half now, right? Defense starting to slide down bad. That's because Draymond matters so much. And offense is hurting too. You think, why does that matter? They got Steph Curry and and, and Clay Thompson. Draymond doesn't even shoot. Again, you gotta watch the games. It's not about Draymond not shooting. He does so much as a pressure release valve. When they blitz Curry on the pick and roll, and he's going downhill four on three, he's an incredible passer, playmaker. Like when we have that cog missing, that hurts, right? So, can teams build cohesive rosters like the Phoenix Suns? Yes, Chris and DeAndre and Devin matter, but everyone touches the ball, right? Mikel Mikel Bridges ain't just some lockdown guy that he takes the ball at the bounce. Like everybody feels a part of it, right? And for a cohesive symphony to work, you want everybody. It's like a boat, right? You're and you got five players in a boat. If you want to beat the other team of five players in the boat, all five pretty much be rowing their oars in sync, right? You know the team that's gonna fuck be fucked up, the one that's got the one who's out of sync. He ain't rowing his oar. He <laughs> rowing the other direction, right? Uh, you got problems, right? You're you're yep. not. That's not going to help. So that's how teams kind of have to look at it. So yeah, you don't necessarily need a big three if you're full roster and your full team has an identity that you look at the Miami Heat for crying out loud. No, Bam, Brian I know, I know. Shout, shout, shout out oh, to our, shout out to boy Brian. But Bam and Jimmy missing a lot of time, right? Keep plugging on, right? Because the system works. And I think, you know, again, you need stars. They matter. But how much do we need them? Do we need mm. to make them the be all end on everything? Maybe. That's a question. I think the other question with that, though, Gerard, is when you're talking about NBA roster bu- building, like how much of it is making sure, you know, focusing more on personality and fit, even if you are going to get those big three stars, because sometimes 
personalities won't mesh. Maybe you're Kyrie, you're, excuse me, KD, who's hitched his wagon to Kyrie, and he's doing the nonsense as he's doing. And it's like, well, that probably didn't fit or was conducive towards you guys building a championship team. I feel like GM should look more at that. No? Oh, without question. Look, everyone doesn't have to be best friends and hanging out. Like that, that, that doesn't, you don't need that necessarily to win. Okay. But you need an environment that is conducive for everyone to perform their best and in that metaphorical boat, all be rowing their oars in the same direction. If the culture is not that, it's gonna be a it's gonna be tough to win, man, because ego and other things are gonna get in the way and stop and stop you from doing your best. This is, you know why the Phoenix Suns are so good, why the Grizzlies are so good, why the Warriors are so good. You can see it. And the where the way you see it for these teams, particularly, is on the defensive end. Because defense is about effort and being there for your teammate, right? You can see when someone doesn't give a shit about their teammate and when they're not, right? Like you you see it in the breakdowns and the right. You you it's if you watch the game closely enough, you can see, huh, what's going on with these two? Why why aren't they why aren't they on the same page here, right? And it's important that you look at personalities, right? What works? Um, you know. The famous example I always use is the Detroit Pistons, right? They had um, Adrian Dantley, right, uh, on those teams. And they moved him to instead get Vinny Microwave Johnson, right? All of a sudden, we start winning titles, da-da-da, all that. Adrian Dantley will tell you, well, the reason why they did that is because Isaiah's boys with Vinny Johnson. That's why. That's why I got moved off. And it's like, mm-hmm. maybe that was part of it. But maybe, Adrian, you saw yourself as something else that didn't fit into the overall ethos of what this team actually was. And because you weren't willing to sacrifice or subjugate or do whatever you had to do to fit into this, we found someone else who can approximate what you do, maybe to a lesser degree, but it's a better fit, right? It ended up working out well. It's about accepting roles and knowing, nah, I'm not getting 18 ISO. That's not, yo, man, you ain't doing that. That's not what we're doing for you. And you have to be okay with that because your greater goal is, I only care about winning this chip. Right. So I'm willing to do whatever. And we know in Brooklyn, a certain player is not all about that. Yep. We definitely know that for sure. We're, ta- we're talking about all this roster building, player empowerment. How much eye do you think fans should have on the 2023-2024 NBA season with a possible lockout coming? Like, is do you think this is a real possibility in the owners, particularly owners? Because I think the players have seen the revenue generated through the CBA the last few times, last 10 years or so, we should say. TV contracts going up, but the owner's saying like, yo, we got some things that we need to change. How real do you think that is? Look, I think it's very real, Dex. Like the, the owners don't love this. Like the way that players can hold franchises hostage and like they don't love it. Like there's going to be a certain amount of that that's going to exist again because super duper star players are going to have that kind of gravity shifting effect. But look, man, like they're going to want to have some kind of protections against this. And you're going to, there's a, there's a real chance because, you know, new MBPA uh, executive directors in there. And that's going to be her new mission is how do we, you know, approach and vote on this next deal? Um, you know, the money's all there and that's great. Supermax deals. Cool. The revenue still still going up. They'll probably haggle over the BRI split, right? Basketball related income. But ultimately these owners are going to try to get some of that control back on. Now nah, we have to figure out what's going on with these deals and these contracts to quote-unquote save ourselves or protect ourselves from ourselves <laughs> yeah man it's that's gonna be interesting to watch it's a lot quicker than you might you might realize uh with that that coming up we'll be talking a lot about that on here good conversation around nuance next we got to talk about some picks uh gerard you know he's trying to help people win money seven footers him and jenna they've been giving some picks every tuesday y'all should check that out on the props network they've been doing that Gerard uh, messed up the money for me a little bit last week. Uh, let's hope. I, I don't know if I'm going to follow his advice this week. Yo, what about last <laughs> night? Did you, did you check that? I, I think I hit you last night by Celtics, right? Yo, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see, 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 see how Gerard trying to come back in here. I'm being sure he's like, did you take that? So I was sitting there. I was sitting last night. I'll tell the people. I watch. Of course, I watch this show. I watch Gerard and Jenna's show, and they do a great job of making these picks on Tuesday. I'm sitting there, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not gonna play anything tonight. I didn't love these games. Well, you know, I was like, I'm gonna rock with my man Gerard, even though he failed me last week. <laughs> I still decided to rock with him. It's all love. Celtics minus two, bang that. Yo, it was never in doubt. I was actually <laughs> mad I didn't put a little bit more money down. It was never in doubt. I said Gerard, Gerard got me with that. And I will also have to give Gerard credit. He cautioned people on the show uh to not 
take, uh, I believe it was the Suns. The Suns. Put, mm-hmm. The Suns, you said you didn't like, I forgot what the spread. I think it was 13 and a half. You were yeah. like, this mm-hmm. too much. Now, I did it to myself. I did not do that bet, just to be clear. <laughs> I took an alternative spread at nine and a half. The Suns only won by seven. Yeah, Probably should have gone a little bit lower. But, you know, Gerard was, was right. And, and listen, in the week before, if you stuck with my my props on the last two, I was I was two for two on on, the, on game two. He listen, was. man, we in the money. We in the money out here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're gonna, we're gonna be in the money real quick. Break from our partners at Prize Picks. When we come back, we got our picks. Are you looking for a better way to play player props or daily fantasy sports? Well, look no further than Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the leading over under daily fantasy game. Why? Because it's so easy to use and win. You can make your picks in under 30 seconds and win up to 10 times your money in one day. Right now, we have a special offer for our viewers and listeners of the NBA Exchange. All you got to do is sign up now and use the promo code NBAEX. Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Yep. That's right. They'll match your first deposit up to $100. So join the over 150,000 others who found a better way to play. Download the Prize Picks app today. All right. Welcome back to the NBA Exchange. It is picks time. Uh, tonight's games, yeah, you know, they're, they're okay. You know, they're, they're all right. I guess I could work with these. Uh, I did not steal any of your uh, games tonight. I'm actually looking. <laughs> I, I'm actually looking because I love. You know what I did? I looked at these games. I said, "Man, I ain't even gonna touch the Grizzlies because we know Gerard's gonna want to talk about them." Uh, so, Gerard, go ahead, talk about the Grizzlies. <laughs> I mean, look, number three team in the league, right? Number three team in the Western Conference. We, we know about these Grizzlies. They're killing it out here. Number five in adjusted net rating. Number four in adjusted offensive rating. Number nine in adjusted defensive rating. By the way, John Morant out. They still winning games. This is their yeah. last game before the All-Star break. They're 11.5-point favorites over the Portland Trailblazers. Guys, caution. The Trailblazers are playing well last week. They're on a three-game winning streak. And this is the second night of a back-to-back for the Memphis Grizzlies, although they're at home. They were in New Orleans uh, the night before. That 11.5 number is a little high, and it scares me a little bit because it's still, while I love them, they're still my Cubs, a little bit of a young team. I can see them, got that, they got their eye on, thank God, the All-Star break's coming. We got to take a rest. And then taking their foot off the gas a little bit. I don't think they're going to win the game. They're going to lose the game, excuse me. But that 11.5 number is a little too big for me, so I'm staying away from that. Instead, I'm going to go with a player prop. By the way, Grizzlies, winners of six straight, nine of their last ten. Yep. So if you can do anything to bring that point spread down, something more manageable, somewhere in a three to six range, that's much more palatable. I'll take that. And a prop bet. Triple J to score the first field goal of the game and the Grizzlies to win, plus 450. Book it. Oh, I, I, I stay away from those players to score the first thing in the game. I know. It's a, that, that's but, always like a... But the odd, the odd, the odd, that's not, it's not a bad one. Plus yeah. 450, yeah. Uh, yeah. Odds, odds are not bad there. Okay. So like you, one of the teams I'm dealing with here is on a back-to-back, but they're against a terrible team. That is the Atlanta Hawks. They're coming off a very good win against the Cleveland Cavaliers last night. The Hawks have been playing better despite just sitting at 10th in the Eastern Conference. Uh, but they've been playing better. Trey Young is starting to get into a groove. They've gotten healthier. They're looking a little bit better defensively. But you don't got to be that good defensively against the Magic because they're the Magic. <laughs> the Magic aren't good at all. The Hawks, six-point road favorites here. I like this number at six. I can see the Hawks winning by seven or more points in this. I can see this being a blowout very easily. Bang the Hawks on this. I think this is a lock pick of the night. Well, do you know? I might end up like Gerard and, you know, last week and not looking good at all whatsoever. But uh, I'll take the I'll take the Hawks here. <laughs> think, think they're playing well. Uh, they had a tougher game last night, so you worry about that a little bit in the back-to-back. But because that number's not so high, I'm fine with it at six. If you wanted to go down a little bit lower on an alternative spread, get it to minus four or something, I wouldn't be mad at you with that either. But give me the Hawks over the Magic. What you got like next? It. Uh, next game, we got the Denver Nuggets and Golden State Warriors. Warriors five and a half point favorites, uh, coming off a win last night, I believe. If I'm not mistaken. It's like kind of a back to back for Golden yep. State. Um, look, the fact that the Nuggets are in the playoffs right now and are seven games over 500 with their second and third best player out of the lineup, it is Nikola Jokic who, look, Joel Embiid might be the MVP, but 
If he wins, it ain't going to be any kind of landslide victory over Jokic. It's going to be probably super tight. And if you voted Jokic as your MVP, I wouldn't disagree with you. The fact that there is the greatness of Nikola Jokic, his season's even better than it was last year when he won MVP. They're plus 180, the uh, Denver Nuggets. I'm going straight up. I'm taking the Nuggets right here, 180. I No Draymond. You know, I think Jokic sprays the ball out to all his shooters like he, like he does. I could see them pulling a little, pulling a little upset here, winning this game. And look for a player prop with Steph Curry. I think he's out of that shooting slump. Uh, he dropped 30 the other, the other night, uh, yeah. last night. Uh, look for 30-plus points, six-plus threes, and five-plus rebounds. See what kind of odds you get on that. That's looking like a plus 400, plus 500, somewhere in that range. I think that's pretty good. I might also take a look at a Nikola Jokic uh, triple double double in, in a yeah. game. This is a matchup. <laughs> yeah, this is a matchup I like for him in that. Uh, this is one I was going to look at tonight. So I was looking at this game before player prop. Wouldn't shock me if the Nuggets and it, look at the respect they're getting at plus five and a half. Despite not that's respect in that. I know the Warriors don't dream on that factors in it too, but I think that's not a bad call taking the Nuggets and the points there mm-hmm. at all whatsoever. All right, my last uh, last game is another what should be a one sided matchup. But beware the points here. Beware, okay? Especially on a back-to-back. Something Gerard and I are talking about here today. The Rockets will be in the Valley to take on the Suns. The Suns are 15-and-a-half-point favorites, which means they have to win by 16 or more. They're playing on a back-to-back. I would have felt better had they blown out the Clippers last night and you got some rest in the fourth quarter for uh, Chris Paul and some of these other guys. Look. I think the Suns will win, but I'm taking the Rockets plus 50 and a half. I know the Rockets just got blown out in their last game on Monday. I'm forgetting who they I'm forgetting who they played on Monday, but they got blown out by 20-something point points, plus points. This is a situation of pride here, folks. I think the Rockets are going to have some pride here tonight. And I don't think they'll win, but I think they'll put up a fight. So give me the Rockets plus the points. I would take that there. If you want to look at some player props for Devin Booker, who had a really efficient scoring mm-hmm. game last mm-hmm. night. I looked at that again. Anything you can get with him, 25, 26 mm-hmm. plus points, he's going to score on this team. So look at that. But give me the Rockets plus the points. Uh, Rockets have not been good, but I think they got, you know, they got to have some pride. They just got Schroeder. That should help a little bit too. They should have some pride. And I don't think they can, they're going to lose by 16 or more. So give me the Rockets plus the 15 and a half. Not, yeah, not you, bad. You can easily get to a 10, 12 point win by the, by the Suns, but you know, that, that 16 number, you know, look, it's, it's the NBA, right? Anything can happen second out of a back to back to your point with Chris Paul having to play late into the fourth, you know, it's extra minutes on a, on, on an aging body. Mm -mm. Yeah. I like to, I like to stay away from that. All right. It was a great show today. We had a great conversation. Thanks to everybody who uh, checked in with the chat on there. I last, but before we leave, you see what Greg put up there about me? Greg said I'm bougie. Greg said I'm right. bougie out in these streets because I, I'll get a little bit of money. I might not be the same. You'll see. You'll see when it happens. <laughs> or you might not see me at all. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but if I'm bougie, you know, you know it is what it is. Thanks to everybody for checking. We hope we provided you some nuance on uh, player empowerment and roster construction around the NBA. You know, we, we, we can do that. And we didn't have to have any hot takes. There was oh, no man. yelling. It was relatively calm. You know, we even talked to Greg about it. You know, it, it happened. It happened. Listen, folks, it can happen. You don't got to be screaming at the TV. It's all good, man. No, it's all good. Know, it's okay. Y'all, y'all, ain't, y'all ain't seen two black men talk this intelligently about <laughs> basketball ever. Y'all probably don't know what to do with yourself. But it is what it is. <laughs> That's, that's my man, Gerard Hector. As usual, please check Gerard out. Seven Footers Podcast. True Hoop. Bring it in. They're doing that on Friday. We are going to be breaking on the show with the All-Star break. We ain't got much to talk about through the All-Star break. So we're going to be taking a break through the All-Star break. We will return next Wednesday. We'll be back with another NBA with nuance. So no show this Friday. No show next Monday. We'll be back next Wednesday following the All-Star break. By the way, Gerard, before we get out of here, mm. uh, do you have any predictions for All-Star weekend? Are you are you rooting for anybody in a dunk contest, uh, or, or is it like whatever? Man, listen, I ain't trying to watch none of them. Sure. <laughs> Look, I, I, I think again, what you saw with the All Star Team LeBron will dominate Team Durant again because Kevin Durant, for whatever reason, seems to have trouble constructing a roster. <laughs> oh. Look at the synergy. Look how we brought that back. Uh, yeah. So so there it is. Uh, I'll, I'll be tuned in. I don't have much to root for in terms of the Knicks these days, so let's hope Obi Toppin <laughs> wins the dunk contest. Hey, Obi. Shout out to Obi. Probably the best. <laughs> probably the best he, most, most playing time he'll get is probably in the dunk contest. 
so hope, hopefully that, that happens. Uh, as I said, check out Gerard Hector. Continue follow us, support us. We appreciate the, all that good stuff. Until we return next week after the All-Star break, please enjoy that, guys. Uh, hope you enjoy that. Everybody's a good time. Stay safe. Watch the basketball. Don't be too angry. And if you got to be bougie, it's okay. Oh, it's, it's okay. Sometimes it's okay to be bougie. Oh, Until next time, y'all. Peace. <laughs>